People, Deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of the Deluded Podcast. We're back again. It's Monday evening. Arsenal are, I'd say, what, 56 minutes away from kicking off against Sheffield United. Um, It's a crazy week, man. Obviously, Arsenal are playing on the Monday and the Thursday. There's obviously Champions League football and Europa League football. So it's a bit of a crazy one. And admittedly, I know I go hard on the YouTube thing. I've tried to make a case of like giving you guys one podcast a week and that because obviously a lot of busy. But it just felt right in my heart, people, to do another podcast. I don't know about you lot, but sometimes when I don't want to do things or I feel lazy or whatever, this voice in the back of my head keeps chipping away from at me sorry and saying i need to do this and deters me from being lazy really but with that being said we might as well crack on with what i've got to speak about um saying that people have had a bit of a mare my printer at home's not working um at work the printer wasn't working so i've had to email myself what i'm going to talk about so obviously if you hear the mac keys you know what it is See how I could have said laptop, but I just wanted to make a case of it's a Mac. My Mac users out there understand. From the other Mac, it's different, man. It's different. But moving on. First and foremost, let's talk about sadder things, people, really and truly. Um, two men have been arrested on suspicion of racially aggravated common assault. This comes after the Haringey Borough goalkeeper walked off the field in their FA Cup tie against Yeovil at the weekend now people it's almost ironic really it's a and and it goes to to what I've been saying and what you lot already know racism in all countries is happening at all levels and fresh off after the England Bulgaria thing where individuals in our own nation might have thought um that were somewhat better than the Bulgarians or whatever for example and don't get me wrong we are a more advanced society than many other countries but many people would have sort of pointed to us as a sort of utopia. And this serves as a reminder that there is still problems within this game. For me personally, this affected me as well because this was going on while Spurs and Watford was playing. This is Haringey people. I live what? I could get on a, I, I could walk there in 20 minutes. I could get on a bus and be there in 10. It's a straight W3, people. Or you can drive there and be in five. Do you get it, people? That's how close this, this game was to me. At Haringey Borough, I believe they play at White Hart Lane. And, and it's sad, really, man, that these individuals have to poke fun at a guy's skin. And it, it's sad. I've been down this road before. We know racism is wrong. But shout out to the Haringey Borough players and, and the goalie for walking off, man. Because statements need to be made. You should not have to tolerate being abused for anything to do with your personal appearance or you can't control really and truly. There's a fine line between, obviously, footballers full of banter. Vardy got it the other, Vardy got it the other day against Burnley. People were bantering, obviously, the social media stuff and he went and scored. But that is completely different. Getting one over on your opponent and doing things like that is completely different from what these individuals have found that they've needed to do. So good riddance. Hopefully what happens happens to them in terms of what needs to happen in the courses and whatnot. Yeah, man, it is what it is. Moving on from that, people, on an even more serious tone, but a slightly lighter tone of sorts. Did you guys know four more professional footballers are three, three and a half times more likely to develop dementia more than people of the same age range in the general population? according to new research now this comes from experts at glasgow conducting this to be fair with you um and it's sad to say obviously footballers put their bodies on the line like people don't think about the effects these guys have people because for me what's scary is that we know footballers get injuries getting metatarsal and knee injuries and all of these things have long-term health effects for you there's footballers that have had their ankle fused together and things like that and walk with a limp there's footballers like i believe it's dean aston he can't well he can but he shouldn't i believe he he actually physically can't f- play football anymore to that level because they fused his foot so the long-term mental health effects i believe footballers have the physical effects not just on the the, the part and parcel sort of parts of the body of the game the knees the legs the, the, all these things you've got their brain now they're heading the ball obviously the brain people it's sad to say but i Dementia is something that personally affects me and I know a lot of you have and it's it's, it's sad in, in the serious cases of developing dementia it's sad how someone that you've known and grew up with can't remember you is very tough and it is of concern man like for me also what scares me more with footballers is footballers are getting like they're tearing this cartilage and that cartilage and they're back in a week two weeks now don't get me wrong 
it's nice to see technology is advancing and all of these things, people. But surely there's something up there. Like, I know you lot are seeing this. Like, footballers are playing ridiculous amount of games, adding to the wear and tear already. And they might get an injury that in previous years, they'll be out for three months. They're back training and that. Now, some of that might be the young, the, the players being a bit young and naive or whatever. But I can't be the only one seeing this, people. It's like, I don't want to say there's doping and things in the game. But, like, you, you know what I'm saying, people? Um... So, and always, new research is welcome, man. Hopefully, again, I, this is all smarter than me and for people with more intelligence than me, but hopefully, with this new research, um, it can shed some light on the diseases. Hopefully, more people will be open to giving, like, I don't know, conducting research with them and just helping the research to get further because at the end of the day, this is could save a life or two. Do you get it? I don't know if there's scanning going on at clubs now, but there must be a little thing young players or players can do, can do in terms of the doctor scanning them to see if they're more likely than others to develop not just dementia but certain other things so i welcome that sort of research staying back to football now people apparently Saul campbell is in advanced talks to become the next manager of south end now obviously Saul campbell has been without a club himself since leaving macclesfield town the league two side in august by mutual consent south end are searching for a new manager I believe after the resignation in September of former manager Kevin Bond. And I'm not watching Southend. I've actually been, I went to Southend versus Crystal Palace a few years ago. I repeat my uncle, a big influence on me in football. Um, he took me to it. So I always like to see Southend do well, but I'm not watching them week in, week out um, or watching them at all, really and truly. But if you've seen them in the news recently, I mean, I've seen Hendrik Larson's going to become manager, consortium with Seb Larson and Kite, um, Dirk Kite, former Liverpool lad, to buy Southend. It's been a bit, you know, Southend's been in the papers. Um, I would love Southend. South, I would love Southend to appoint um, Sol Campbell as the manager. People, obviously, he's a former Gunnar. For me, there's not a lot of personally black managers, and for me, I like. That seeing Sol Campbell at South End, it might not seem like nothing and whatever people can say about South End, but there could be some young man out there with ambitions to coach and he might go on to be the first black manager to win the Premier League. And he might have seen Sol Campbell or seen all these other guys and, and got inspiration. Do you get it, people? And I just believe Sol Campbell deserves another job because he's done all right by Macclesfield Town. I mean, it was out of his control as to why it kind of went downhill and... We heard the stories how they wasn't being paid and all of these sort of things, people. But um, many people wanted Sol Campbell to fail because of how he might be perceived and what's and whatnot. I wanted him to do well, and I hopefully he keeps continuing to do his thing at Southend. And I have to big up Southend as well because they had Chris Powell as well, so they're not afraid to give people the job if they deem someone's good enough. People, but moving on from that, let's scroll down my email. We might as well speak about the Premier League quickly. Obviously, we can't speak about Arsenal and um, South, um, Sheffield United sorry, right now. But we might as well kick off with Manchester United against Liverpool. Now, first and foremost, United still have a lot of question marks. And their season at the moment has been a bit indifferent, to put it nicely. But I personally believe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, isolated incidents to that game, deserve some praise, people. His tactics at times this season have left people... Bewildered on top of inconsistent performances from certain players and obviously the lack of activity in the summer. But I believe he did a very good job against Liverpool. Potentially why Liverpool, in my opinion, played poor by their own standards is because they probably didn't expect that from Solskjaer. They probably thought 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 or something. OK, we know Martial's going to be in the squad, he might not start. But they probably would have thought that. They would have thought, to a degree... You know, we try and have a go at you lot. But I think they were really hoodwinked by the three at the back. I felt Daniel James did a good job and deserved his assist and has been a good signer for United. And I got a lot of time for him. Rashford, for his confidence, it was nice for him to score in another big game. I liked how they both operated as wide fours of sorts. Um, Pereira obviously pressed when he could. Big praise to the wing backs. I feel Yambasaka for me. I felt he could. He can improve a bit going forward, but I feel he did all right. Young did what he could. Um... Liverpool obviously upped it and tried to get the winner towards the end of the game, but a draw is a fair result for Liverpool. Because of how they probably started the game, they'll welcome a point. They should have really played better. They should have, again, football matches aren't won on paper, but going into this game, Liverpool should have dominated the game a bit more just because of where the sides are at. Firmino is normally at it, but I don't feel he had the best of games in that game, for example. But it is what it is. It's a fair result for both teams. We can't not speak about VAR. Again, I don't, 
I don't know, man, because on one hand, I'm looking at the footage and I think it is a foul on Origi, but on the other hand, I don't. I'm going to go with my first initial thoughts. It is a bit of a sheg, and for me, whether it is a foul or not, the kind of circus element that is attached to VAR is quite annoying for me anyways, people. I don't understand personally, and I saw an article that I should read, really, how as to why they haven't, you know, in the World Cup, the, the ref can go and look at the monitor. I don't understand why that's not there, people. What is the point of people radioing man, um, the, the, the guys in Stockley Park or the referees in Stockley Park if they're not going to be thorough with these decisions, if they're going to keep decreasing time and whatnot? I don't understand it. It's still down to human interpretation. Again, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but there's experienced referees who probably don't want to put their friend in it, new sort of referees who don't want to sort of step on, any, on anybody's toes. The decisions are there sometimes. Not, I'm not necessarily speaking about United-Liverpool. There's You've seen, what, Burnley-Leicester, you've seen in this game, Spurs-Watford, a penalty for Pepe, or should have been a, Pepe for penalty, a penalty for Pepe, sorry, in a couple games ago for Arsenal. There's been many decisions that, to be fair, VAR's got right, but there's been some decisions that I just you don't make no sense really and truly with what's going on. It's a circus. And someone made a point to me that within, the, within a, to a degree, it's only a circus in this country and I kind of get that now the World Cup was a bit of a circus in the sense that everybody was snitching to the ref and mimicking the the screen but surely that 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 in, that finishes it man because sometimes I'm seeing refs right next to stuff and they're still getting it wrong and making blunders do you get it people I, like something really needs to be done in that man moving on Chelsea continued their thing obviously 1-0 victory I believe forgive me if I'm wrong against Newcastle Big three points, especially considering United, who are trying to get top four as well, drew. Spurs, obviously, they're in different form continues. They drew. United versus Sheffield is yet to come. Um, who knows at this moment in time of making this this podcast. But you've got Chelsea. Chelsea have done what they needed to do. And they're in with a big shout in terms of the top four. And Lampard is building something special. When Chelsea can be a real force defensively, then there's no reason for me couple additions why they they might not have a squad in the next year or two to to do what Liverpool's doing challenging City and things like that obviously they've got a young squad people are still developing but it's a convincing win of sorts they should have scored more but yeah Callum Hudson-Odoi again for me he goes to the Euros and for me it's just about using these next few months obviously trying to get Champions League and stuff with Chelsea but playing as many games as possible keeping fit because for me him and him and Colin Mod, him and Foden, sorry, are exceptions to the rule. They go to the Euros for me. Apologies if I said World Cup. Any day of the week, man. So it's nice to see him get an assist, put in a convincing performance, man. So, yeah. For Arsenal, we know what we need to do because we've seen everybody play as well. Obviously, I'm going to watch Arsenal Sheffield and I'll probably pause while I'm doing this podcast, watch that and get back to you guys as the real guy I am. But, yeah, man. Chelsea did what they needed to do. Everton... Finally got a victory and gave their fans something to smile about for once. 2-0 victory over West Ham. West Ham had decent away form. Similar to Liverpool, they potentially should have started better as well because of the form of the two sides. But what can I say? Credit where due for Everton. Gomez played well. Walcott played well. It will be shined in the 10 position, in my opinion, people. 2-0 victory. Banger from Sigurdsson. They deserved that. Um, West Ham were just poor, man. They just, yeah, man. I mean, they they were just poor, and the less said on that, the better. Two two for Burnley against Leicester, and that was a decent game. Again, VAR played a part. Vardy strikes again, and people were giving Vardy a lot of stick because obviously, what his wife has been involved in social media. He scored. Tellerman's looked good. Leicester are still picking up points, man. And at the end of the day. Will they get top four is another case, but they're still there right now in October, man. Um, Manchester City obviously um, won 2-0 against Crystal Palace. I was watching that game because obviously we've got Palace after Sheffield United. And I did think Palace sat very deep, people. Again, they're playing Manchester City. Anyone would to a degree, but they sat fairly deep. And it kind of showed... um, that assist from Sterling was ridiculous, man. That was like playing in the cages. What can you... The less said about City, the better. Like, City are just smashing up teams and playing brilliant. And obviously, they played with two centre-halves, um, two centre-mids that's in centre-half, sorry, in Rodri and Fernandinho. And that's classical pep, in it? Pushing the boundaries of what's deemed conventional or deemed whatnot. Um, 
I believe Otamendi was on the bench. Now, I can't lie. If I was Otamendi, people, I'm not even going to lie. I'd be livid. I get, we all know Pep Guardiola likes to do all this changing players and all this innovative stuff, but I would be livid. Like, that would confirm that I need to leave in January, people, really. Again, I might be overreacting, but I'd see it as, um, we've got injuries. Kyle Walker's not fit. It's not even like Kyle Walker or Danny Lowe's about, you know, when Pep was sliding them centre-halves. Fernandinho can do it. Rodri's obviously intelligent. But I'm a centre-half by trade. That That is my trade, people. That's like me being a plumber. You saying, don't employ me to do your plumbing. But some guy has looked on YouTube how to fix your thing and you've gone with him. Do you get it? It's a shag, in it, people? I'll be livid. I'll be livid. But is what it is. The manager is the manager. And on a serious note, he's just got to suck it up and apply himself in training and almost make it impossible to be left out by Pep, no matter how impossible that might be for Otamendi. Wolves and Southampton, two teams we've got coming up after Crystal Palace and Sheffield, respectively, drew 1-1. Um, so there's that. Spurs, obviously, VAR saved their bacon against Watford. I mean, Watford should feel hard done by, man. 1-1 draw. Spurs will take that considering they fell behind early on. Good finish, if I can if I can remember correctly, by, um, by Decore. So, yeah, man, Spurs' roles continue, really, and... I still think they have a good shout of getting top four. It's only October. They still got a point, but they need to get their act together. It's clear to see. They've got the Champions League, so maybe they can put that to the back burner in terms of the league and what's the league surrounds. But even in the Champions League, they need to fix up people because what has, what has happened? They're off a heavy defeat against Bayern Munich. I believe they're not even second in their group right now. Now, I still think Spurs are going to get out of their group. Hopefully not as an Arsenal fan, of course, but we'll have to see in that regards. Now, Jack Grealish obviously played very well in the 2-1 victory, I believe, Aston Villa against Brighton. Um, he did his thing, and there's talk of him being called up by Southgate to the England squad. And I mean, in terms of creativity in the side, I will say when the guys are when he does call up the players to international duty, I think there's a void. I think Foden would be there, but it's good competition because saying that you've got Madison who's been in good form and looks to be going to the Euros at this moment in time. For me, I'd bring Mason Mount based on how he's playing and how he looks to be projecting himself. You throw Grealish into that mix who can play on the flanks, but you'd imagine he'd probably play in that sort of creative 10, quote-unquote 10 position for England if he is going to be called up. And I'm sure he wants to get called up. The best season he can have is obviously keeping Villa in the Premier League, obviously going to the Euros. I'm sure he wants to, no disrespect to Villa, he loves the club, but... He'd want to move on. I mean, Spurs were interested in him and it looked to be happening, people. So we'll see what happens. We'll obviously get back to the Arsenal review when it comes, people. If I've missed out any Premier League games, they just clearly haven't been relevant, people. Um, um, in spirit of... Oh, sadly, people, I was going to carry on with something, but I'll leave it. Apparently, Welbeck suffered another ankle injury. Now, it's sad. He got his first start. League start I've seen since he's since he's joined Watford against Spurs for for um um for Watford and it's sad to see man he was obviously had a lengthy injury last season um cost him really saying goodbye to the Arsenal fans because say what you want about Welbeck he for what I could say as an Arsenal fan he always played with I can never question his professionalism um his integrity and his work ethic he always tried man really and truly um. So shout out to him and you just want to see people fit and healthy. Now, apparently he suffered another ankle injury. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, but it's sad, man. Talk about kicking a man when he's down. Speaking of injuries as well, you've got Aaron Ramsey who hasn't really been able to stay fit this season. He's played four games, getting one goal, but he was on the bench versus Inter Milan and he wasn't involved against Bologna, I believe. Um, how long has it been since he's actually played for Wells? Obviously, last season against Napoli as well, is where he suffered that serious injury. But you you kind of think it, apparently, based on what the Daily Mail was saying, and the Daily Mail do talk a lot of nonsense, but apparently Juventus are having, Juventus hierarchy slash management are having concerns over Aaron Ramsey's start to the season. Obviously, he signed for a free transfer, but right now it's looking expensive. Not to talk about a man's wages, and I think it's a good move for Ramsey, but he's on serious though at Juventus and he's not fully fit and obviously Juventus is a club if you're a squad player rotation or key option you've got to prove your worth of sorts now I think too many conclusions are being drawn obviously what looked like a one of the signings of the summer free as well 
um, hasn't panned out that way. But I think he'll get there, man. I think Ramsey will get there. He's 30. He's been through it. He's moved from as a 17-year-old to another city, from Cardiff to London. He's obviously won stuff and become experienced for club and country in that time. So I think he's been around the block. I just think you've got we've got to take his time with his fitness and obviously getting back to the groove of things and just making sure he doesn't continue to suffer what appears as an outsider looking in these frequent sort of injuries. Um, so yeah, but at 30, it is a bit, it is a bit scary. Now he's done good because he's obviously at 30 secured himself and moved to Juventus and on big wages, but it, it is, it can prove to be a costly investment if he doesn't get to show him what he can potentially do. Saying that though, um, looking at Juventus, Emre Jan moved what not last season, but the season before. Forgive me if I'm wrong. He's not been named in the Champions League squad, and he's not really plain sailing for him. Rabiot as well, another free transfer. So potentially, is there too many midfielders? I'm not watching Juventus week in week out, but it seems that Pjanic and Kedira are the preferred ones, and I think Matuidi gets more football than these two. Again, those of you that are watching Italian football and specifically Juventus on a more consistent basis can tell me, but that's what it appears. So I think Ramsey will still have a part to play in the season. Juventus, listen, they've got fantastic squad depth and everyone's going to need to to show their worth and get an opportunity to prove their worth. Look at Higuain, he was loaned out for like two seasons and now he's back scoring decisive goals from what I've seen this season. So you never know people. Um, So yeah, man. Um, moving on from that though, and and would you look at that, people? Just as I was continuing with the other stuff, Arsenal. Speaking of Premier League football, people, Arsenal have obviously just been defeated one goal to nil, sadly against Sheffield United. For me, people, it's obviously extremely upsetting for several reasons. First and foremost, there was a carrot there at the end of the. There was a carrot there. Um, in terms of winning today, people. There was something there for us to be had. We knew what we needed to do. We knew personally Watford um, made Spurs drop points. We know United drew to Liverpool. Chelsea are the only ones happy to, um, today at the end of Monday. It's another sort of period where we've gone into it knowing exactly what we need to do as a football club and ultimately have failed. It's sad to say, but we have failed. And for me... What's even more sad than than the manner of the defeat, I mean, than than losing, is the manner of the defeat. We just didn't look convincing. Now, I'm going to be fair, people. Credit to Sheffield United. Credit where due. I felt their game plan with Chris Wilder, superb. Clearly, whatever they worked on in the week worked superbly for them. The, The players, they executed the game plan very well. The fans, 12th man. They, they made sure they delivered. Everybody knew of the Sheffield United, still City spirit and all of these things. They didn't flatter to deceive. Every fragment of that club delivered people. They made it hard for us. For me, I loved the way, from a neutral perspective, the way they pressed us. They set little booby traps for us playing out from the back. To be fair, we've seen a couple of clubs do that now and it might be something we need to look at. They set a couple of booby traps and they kind of we were kind of unable to really play any significant football out from the back on top of us just being poor in terms of build-up play and progressiveness. And that's something Emre's got to really be questioned about now, in my humble opinion. Um, I felt the long balls. Now it's, it's an open secret. Aubameyang, no criticism. He's not about hold-up plays, about goals. Teams know that. Sheffield are playing three at the back, five in midfield. Aubameyang's by himself. We're playing with wingers. They're going to take a bit of time to get close to him. We're not playing with inside forwards. We're playing with wingers. You can see how on top of no real midfielder in the team today really wanted to help dictate and build play and dictate the tempo, how other teams can get on top of us. It's no secret. You win the midfield battle, you put up a midfield fight against Arsenal, you exploit set pieces, you press us and discourage us from playing, you have half a chance of winning the game against us. What's even more poor is that we made over 400 more passes than Sheffield. Now, we know goals win games. Passes don't. But what are we doing with possession? We're playing sideways, we're playing backwards. Potentially more annoying than that for myself is the lack of tempo, the lack of urgency. We know the Premier League is about urgency. We take our time to build te- build play. 
And when you're a team like Sheffield who are good in terms of their shape anyways and the game was going the way it is, we're just allowing them to retain their shape and be tougher for us to break down. We know they're tough to break down. They've only lost, anytime they've lost this season, they've only lost by a single goal, which I don't think all Premier League sides, well, for instance, who, Norwich can't say that, for instance. Um, I swear Norwich, one of the Premier promoted sides has, has, has taken a heavy loss. So they're a good side. We... I'm not going to say we failed to prepare, but it felt like we failed to prepare, so we ultimately prepared to fail, man. There was no real attacking play. There's no real patterns of play which harm us. Defensively, we're still at sixes and sevens, but I feel it was more the tactics today. The players ultimately are the ones playing, but tactically, I don't know what we're doing. We've got some good attacking players. Now, don't get it twisted. I believe we should have had a penalty. Socrates is being pulled. Pepe should have scored. For, I think he played decent, but Pepe should have scored. Aubameyang was set up by Pepe for a lovely chance. We did have chances to win the game and we should have done better, but I'm not going to clutch at straws. We lost to the better players and the better men. Give praise to Sheffield United. But we ultimately lost this game through, through for ourselves. From the first moment, within the first five minutes, how many corners were Sheffield United getting? They were pressing us high. The intent was there. They looked like the side trying to get into the Champions League. And even more disappointing than anything for me is it takes me personally back to the period last season, people, in which you knew as an Ars you knew as an Arsenal fan, we kinda need to we when we you know the, that that period where we were seeing what other teams were doing and we was the last team to kind of play, so we knew what we needed to go out there and do. And ultimately we failed to do there's no way around it. We failed to do that today, people. We cowered, we hid, there's no way around it. Like it was a poor day at the office. We cannot feel sorry for ourselves because it's three games in a week. We've obviously Thursday we're playing in the in the Europa League. Sunday we're playing against Crystal Palace, and I know a lot of you remember what happened last year against Crystal Palace um, at home. We need to fix up, but I think we need to look at you know Emre a lot now, man. You need to look at what he's trying to coach. I like Emre. I want him to succeed, but in terms of his blueprint or his imprint on the team. We can't keep sitting here and saying you need more time, you need this, you need that, because it's not currently it's not currently there, people. Um, one second. Apologies, people. Like I was Like I was saying, people, apologies for that. We need to improve. You're looking at Unai Emery's blueprint or what he's trying to implement, and I like him. There are good things. He's playing young players. Um, he's given opportunities. I like how he changes tactics and things. Defensively, we're still at sixes and sevens. Uh, prior to the Sheffield United game, obviously we looked a bit better defensively, but we still look at sixes and sevens. Now, people can talk until they're blue in the face and until their lungs collapse about... Holding coming back, Bellerin coming back, Tierney coming back. Of course, I'm excited about these individuals. Of course, they're better players for Emre to work forward, work with and move forward with. But at the end of the day, can anyone see any defensive system to say, says white and black, to say these players come in, we ultimately play better? You can't honestly say that, people. And that's what I really would like to see from Emre now, regardless of are they his players or not, which he's had the time to really say who he wants and who he doesn't. Everybody hasn't been flushed out, but we had a good summer in terms of incomings and outgoings. Let's take Burnley, for example. Now, I'm not saying we should be like Burnley. We're a better team than, than Burnley in a bigger club. No disrespect. We finish ahead of them in the table for as poor as Arsenal are. And I'm not watching Burnley religiously. But you can guarantee, just to make the point, you look at Burnley's back line. Within reason, if they take out key players or individual players, there's not really going to be a difference. There's going to be a noticeable sort of base level of how they defend. It's not going to be a dramatic drop-off like with us people because they've worked on it. It's not as white and black as that in the sense that I can't see that from Emery or Arsenal at the moment and say when these players come back, we're going to ultimately play better. So I'm going to look at him in terms of coaching. It weren't really... Well, we conceded a poor goal from a set-piece today, um, really, on top of not being at it. So you can say defensively is first and foremost. Defending wins titles, so that's the bread and butter. So, of course, we need to speak about that. But the progressive play, central midfield, Arsenal becoming an open book now in the sense of teams know if you win that midfield battle, if you set out and outnumber our midfield, you'll win it. Today, it weren't really a thing of our pivots being pulled apart. We were just simply outnumbered. I personally think, like I said, they pressed us very they pressed us very well but what are we trying to do the build up again the build up is way too slow there's not really any intent, any intent when there's no real 
pace to your build-up play or any tempo, you allow teams like Sheffield United and teams in the Prem in general to get back in shape. If they get back in shape as a team, are they not more likely to defend better? They defend better, they're tougher to break down, it's harder for us to score. It's that simple. We take too... On top of certain players just taking too many touches, in terms of tactically, it has to be down to coaching. What are we trying to do? I felt it became... We're becoming an open book in terms of how... Like, again, I have to say it, in terms of how you press Arsenal. Today... Sheffield, again, they set up wonderful little booby traps and forced us to go long at times. And when we're going long, again, it's all Aubameyang by himself. We're playing with wide forwards, once again, to highlight the point. It's going to be harder for them to get through them and get to get close to him. So, I need to look at Emery. What is he doing with these midfielders in terms of trying to dictate the tempo or what we're doing on the ball? And these things should really be in, be in place now, man. Now, prior to the game, Uno Emery actually said, we're heading in the right place, which I do believe we are. His comments were, our work is more is more important than our words, which is true. And I'm really very happy at the club. I'm really happy with the players. The last two, three, four weeks, every player and Mesut Ozil is working very well. This is why we can be positive and we, we think we are going to do something important this year. I was speaking with Raul and this is the same idea when he is speaking with me. And we can still get top four. I'm not saying to blow your trumpet people and huff and puff. But this is the thing with football fans and Arsenal fans specific to this. There's no balance. A lot of people a couple of weeks ago are saying, what are you talking about? There's no need to say this and that. We're third. And a lot of that was true. But these things are still... What happens in the dark comes to light eventually. The lack of play. Beyond our players just being good technically and scoring goals, we're not really creating, we're not really playing like Arsenal Football Club. Once again, I'd like to improve defensively, but we're almost making it easy for teams really and truly. I think we really made it easy for, 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 for Sheffield United. And I feel it's a game we need to really look at tactically what the manager looked to go out there and do. Of course, the players have been poor at points this season. Of course, they're the ones playing tonight and they're the ones that played poor. It is what it is in that regards, but... We, we've still got a long way to go in the season, but we need to fix up. Last season, the last tale of the season, eight or ten games, what was it, people? Where Arsenal, again, knew what other teams' results were, and we still choked. It would have been a big test of our character. Our waveform, in general, hasn't been good. This season is still quite negative. We won Newcastle away. When else have we won? We could have won today. Many people ex probably expected us to win today, but by the same token, expected us to kind of be mincemeat today, and we've proved them right. We need to get over this. We need to be able to win games where we haven't played well, people. Until that happens, it remains to be unclear if you can convincingly say Arsenal are going to get top four. It is in Arsenal's hands, people. It's Arsenal's mandate really to get top four they have to or literally Emre might lose his job players might not play this football club anymore people really need to fix up in that in that regards man um Aubameyang sounded quite positive as well prior to the game these were his comments he thinks we'll get top four he said I'm sure we'll achieve top four that is the goal that is our aim I feel good I feel great I'm feeling free on the pitch it's a good start and I don't know if the best if it's the best form of my career, but it's it's a good one. So I'll try to keep the level up. Obviously, you like to see that from Aubameyang. He's in great form. He didn't score today, obviously, against Sheffield United, but he's in fantastic form, and you want to see that continue from from him, really and truly. Um, admittedly, people, this was prior to the game, but I thought I'd talk about what I believe is the good, bad, and the ugly of Unai Emery so far. Of what I've personally seen. Um, quickly, I've I've put what I like. He likes to he thinks about oppositions, especially in big games. I like how I'm seeing early principles of playing out from the back if we can find balance. I like how we look actually better on the counter. Up until this season, we looked better at taking set pieces and also defending them. So I'm seeing what Emre's like doing. I'm liking that he's playing young players. It took him a while to kind of bring them in and bed them in and, and whatnot, people. But the Sackers are playing. The Nelsons is getting opportunities. Woolock is getting chances here and there. So I like what I'm seeing from him. I like his passion. I'm unclear about protagonists. I've, I've just harped on about it, people. The, the attacking play, the defensive play, I don't really see what he's trying to do. And we can keep saying give time and I'm not saying we should sack him or whatnot. I believe we should have a healthy discussion. We can back a man, but talk about the good, bad and the ugly. Haven't really seen anything really to 
as much as me just wanting him to do well and him being my man, ain't really seeing nothing really to support on the football field right now or, 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 or something of significance really. It's taking Lampard about two minutes to kind of put his imprint at Chelsea and there's no excuses. He's had a transfer ban and he's had to rely on Tammy Abraham who's repaid his fee um, and whatnot. We've been able to um, spend 72 million on a player. We've got two potent goal scorers in Aubameyang and Lacazette. They are scoring goals. We are scoring good goals. We are scoring good creative goals. But to a degree, are these goals or these isolated incidences clouding stuff? Because it happened last season, the 22 unbeaten run. Certain elements that are still here and were clear today are here. were here then. And you was called negative and the rest of it for um, suggesting otherwise, otherwise people. And I think the bad or what I believe is the bad is I personally believe Emery can be his own worst enemy, especially in games where we've actually played quite well. And it's almost a mental handbrake to start bringing off subs and kind of ruined it. I don't really feel he's got complete clarity in his mind of really freeing these attacking players and playing with a sort of balanced team in that we attack and show our credentials but we also defend and I think if you're going to manage any top six side you've got to find that balance um obviously I don't really understand the making Ozil captain they're not in, not really using him and a couple other things with other players like for me El Nene is not being used all season I'm not criticizing that I'm not saying play El Nene but then he's throwing him in for the crucial sort of running against Palace and whatnot that to go back to that period Games where we need to win or we need to kind of play the best team and we're shocked that we're not playing the, the best. Maybe it's a cultural thing of, you see a lot of players, that have, managers that have come from the league and foreign clubs, they won't use a man for time and then they'll throw him in. I don't feel you can run them sort of things in the Premier League. I just don't think it's, it's, it's like that, people. It's just, it's, not, it's just not that sort of party. Um, some interesting things on Pepe, people, I believe. Or oh, and just from The Athletic, I got some notes. I've subscribed to The Athletic just to see if I can bring you a lot more exclusive content or just better content. But they've said, um, they've, what's this? This I think this was looking at how we press and defend and whatnot. And it said, an organised press would mean Arsenal winning the ball high, preventing the opposition routing, mounting regular attacks. Instead, they are conceding a frightening amount of shots this season, opponents averaged 17 attempts at Arsenal's goal per game. Obviously, this is prior to the Sheffield United game. Um, only newly promoted Aston Villa and Norwich have worse records and Leno has been called upon to make more saves more than any other side. Now, again, that highlights our defensive stuff, but what's the first line of defence, people? It's Aubameyang and Lacazette. I'm not criticising them, but in terms of game management... Go back and look at a lot of our goals last season and probably goals we've conceded this season. There were times a midfielder could have stopped it, a striker could have stopped it. We could have been a bit cerebral. I'm not scapegoating anything, but we need to learn a bit more in game management and we're probably one of the most sides in the Prem lacking that, that sort of cerebral, dark art sort of thing. Um, the idea of a coordinated press felt genuinely fresh at Arsenal and many supporters would have been willing to sacrifice some honourable intricacies to attain it. Surprised I could have pronounced that word, people. However, it's never really come to pass. Wenger's last season at Arsenal saw Arsenal permit 9.1 9 passes per defensive action under Emre that went up to 9.4. While Emre might like the idea, he's not necessarily been able to manifest it in his team. In Wenger's final season, Arsenal had an average high highest average percentage in the league we had the third highest average percentage in the Premier League sorry I've butchered that few people um in Emery's first season we've slipped to fifth now I don't really care for position possession people I'm not using that to, to hit Emery possession like you saw today we had Emery still has a lot of possession in his team we had 400 more passes than Sheffield Sheffield won the game but it's what we want to do with Wenger in his final years, we were stale in terms of our, our attacking intent. In Embry, we're still stale really in terms of our attacking intent consistently and we don't really have a plan. Um, so I still believe in Emery, but we've got to highlight these things, people. This is what the Athletic is highlighted, so it's important to speak about it. Um, we've averaged 12.3 12 shots per game, which is in the bottom half of the Premier League for statistics, which is quite crazy, people, really and truly. The Athletic prior to the Sheffield United game in which Pepe, I've got some, I really should have done a video about this before. Um, it's, it's almost relevant because I feel Pepe had a good game against Sheffield United people. But by the same token, he summed up what he's been this season. 
early promise, taking people on, starting starting counterattacks. Ultimately, the end product is missing. He's got an assist and a goal, I believe, but they're far and beyond. Um, he should have scored, should have just put his right foot through it and tapped it in. Um, he should have had an assist for Aubameyang as well, but Aubameyang didn't do thing. <clears throat> but <clears throat> he showed the promise, he showed missing sitters, and he sh I still think there's more to come. Um, as shown v Sheffield, he should have played better. Um, but the Athletic did a piece where they were looking at creativity beyond just typically assists. <clears throat> and what I've copied and pasted here, people, it says, in other words, rather than just crediting the final passer, you can go back and credit every player involved in the passing move leading to the goal. Nicolas Pepe hasn't yet shown much to suggest he's close to justifying his club record transfer fee, yet statistics show that he's been involved for Arsenal this season, that he's been heavily involved for Arsenal this season. Further inspection of the numbers showed that he's Arsenal's most prolific chance creator and has only and has only attempted four fewer shots than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang despite playing 160 less minutes. He's also been involved in plenty other moves. Further inspection of the numbers show that the Arsenal that he's Arsenal's most prolific chance creator. I think I've already said that. Sorry, I copied and pasted it twice. I didn't take the graph, people, because I knew the Sheffield United result would kind of misconstrue it. So it kind of shows Pepe's got promise and there's still some reason to stand behind Pepe, really and truly. Um, a couple of bullet points, points I made in my in my notes, people. It says, um, highlighted Kevin De the, the report highlighted, highlighted sorry, Kevin De Bruyne's all-round play. Trent Arnold was the only defender in the, in the top 20, I believe, or the top 15. Um, Jorginho scored pretty high as well, which it goes to show, like, again, common belief statistics. Is he really back justifying the manager's faith? Is he justifying the fans' faith, etc., etc.? So it's interesting to see, man. Um, we might as well... One second, people. We might as well quickly speak about... Sorry, the computer froze. We might as well quickly speak about the UCL action to round this all off, people, really and truly. Now, if you give me a sec, we scroll to the top. Shakhtar the next play Zagreb. Now, that would be one for the football hipsters. Now, that's an early kickoff, I believe. Second versus third in Group C. So, that would be an interesting one. Atletico play Leverkusen. Leverkusen mathematically can still go through people. But I can't lie, it looks a bit mad right now. They sit bottom. Pardon me. Probably have to target Europa League action. Bayern, I mean not Bayern, Atletico and, and Juventus um, are, I believe, level in their group, forgive me if I'm wrong, and Atletico are actually second, so it could be a, a vital sort of three-point sort of thing, so we'll see what happens. Galatasaray versus Madrid, now, forgive me if I'm wrong, it could be at the Bernabeu, but the way I've got it copied and pasted is that Madrid visit Turkey, now that's going to be a difficult atmosphere. Turkish football fans are very passionate. They're obviously going to be very passionate to have one of the biggest clubs at their ground. Considering Madrid's iffy form in all competitions, it could be a trickier result than the current stature of the club suggests. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but Madrid sit bottom in the group, which is crazy considering how much years they won this thing in the row. They'll probably will still get still get through, but they have to get three points, really. You could argue for them. They're probably saying their Champions League campaign starts now i believe olympiacos are playing monaco i keep getting names wrong um Bayern munich Bayern munich they smacked up spurs so credit to Bayern munich they sit top of their group it will just further command their 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 sort of thing if they're gonna get if they if they beat olympiacos really for olympia for olympiacos they sit bottom they played well against spurs you don't know they've got nothing to lose really people don't expect them to win that so could it be a giant killing speaking of Speaking of giant killing people, you've got Club Bruges versus PSG. PSG sit top with six points. Um, Club Bruges is second. Is there a potential for PSG to get daylight? No disrespect to Club Bruges, but a lot of their players probably want to move on to bigger and better things. You've got to show it in the Champions League. You've got to show it against top opposition. Um, so there's the opposite. You never know who's watching your games in the Champions League and who's scouting for new players. So there's that carrot. Obviously, as a club, they obviously fought hard to get in the Champions League and it would be a little bit of good memories in the, in the number of clubs' players' careers if they can beat PSG with, I don't know, well, I heard Neymar's injured, but the Neymar's, the Mbappe's, the 
Di Maria's who's in hot form, etc., etc. Cavani if he's used, Icardi now, like you get the point, people. There's only per attackers at PSG. Moscow, Spartak Moscow are playing Juventus. Third versus third. Again, similar to Atletico mentioned earlier. Juventus just have to simply go out there and win. Arsenal, our boy Aaron Ramsey is there. So, you know, I want them to go as far as they can. Um, Leipzig versus Zenit. sees first versus third. Probably a tasty game for the neutrals. And one, I'm going to look at the highlights. I like to watch um, Leipzig and Salzburg. They play quite well and I like that. Another one for the hipsters, and I hope that's a fixture in the youth league, which is the youth equivalent, the academy equivalent, basically, to this fixture in which they mimic it. Um, the youth equivalent, so these sides typically face each other. Ajax versus Chelsea. Now, Ajax are first in their group doing their thing. Last year, they went quite far in the competition. Obviously, they've seen De Jong and De Ligt move on to pastures new, but who knows, man? There's room for other players to step up. They're first in their group. I'm sure they want to make more distance in that. Chelsea and um, Valencia are both on three points. So again, if they beat Chelsea, they make further head ground on potential one of their rivals for the first and second position because there's still a lot of football to be played. Barcelona are going to play Slavia. Um, Slavia Prague, I believe. Um, obviously, what can I say? You just want to see Messi and the rest of them do dirt. And Valverde's been a bit iffy, man. If the results go different ways, you never know. Manchester City play Atletico Madrid now. Play Atletico Madrid. They play Atlanta. Manchester City play Atlanta. Now, I haven't really been paying attention, admittedly, to Italian football this season, folks. But last season, Atlanta played good football and they were somewhat a feel-good story. With their strikers and good players like um, Zapata and Mancini, who's gone to Roma now, the centre-half, they made Champions League football. You'd expect Manchester City to win, but who knows, man. They, something tells me not they necessarily their their fixture, but there's it's not going to be as straightforward in one of these games as the the, the scoreline might suggest. You've got Liverpool versus Gent people now. Liverpool have not really started the Champions League well. Um, they technically tied on points with Salzburg. They kind of need to win that game, people. Um, Leo play Valencia now. Leo sit bottom. Probably need to think about Europa if anything. Valencia are playing on level on points with Chelsea. Big pressure. I mean, if Chelsea beat Ajax and Leo um, beat Valencia, what is that saying? Is Valencia going to drop into the Europa League? Who knows, people? You've got Benfica versus Lyon. Now, I root for Lyon because obviously they've got Jeffrey Adelaide and they've got youngsters like Rayad Cherhi, who's 16, almost went to United in the summer and made his debut at the weekend in their 0-0 draw. Now, and obviously they've got Jeffrey Adelaide. That's going to be a decent game. There's question marks over Leon's players this season, and I believe they've got new manager and whatnot. Um, so can they do a thing? Benfica sit bottom, so they've got nothing to lose, and you have to be wary of these players, these sort of clubs and players. Salzburg are playing Napoli again. Wonderful one for the for the neutrals, all to play for. Napoli top, Red Bull third, level on points with Liverpool. So that's a tasty one. Probably the best one in terms of names, in my opinion. Dortmund versus Inter Milan on paper that's tasty is our man Jaden Sanjo going to be back after the alleged discipline problems I don't know but I hope he is because I love watching him um Juventus Inter Milan sorry won at the weekend but they sit bottom in the group so it's all to play for very early on in the Champions League people forgive me if my if I've missed out any other games because they've just clearly not been relevant the only, Arsenal, the only game I'm going to speak about in the Europa League is going to be Arsenal, people. And we obviously play Vitoria, forgive me for mispronunciations, at home. Now, we sit first on six points from the first two games. We've, did not, we've done our job. We've beat Standard Liège. We've went away to Frankfurt and we've won it. If we can win this game, we can make it all but a conclusion more so than it is. Potential scope for more young players to get chances. Potential scope to rest more key players because the games are coming thick and fast. We've just played against Sheffield United today. Potentially, the players will have a recovery session on Tuesday. The players that we will feature, which admittedly probably be a rotated squad, will probably train on Wednesday. Then we're playing on Thursday. Then obviously we're playing on the, on 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 the on on the Sunday. So potential there's there's potential here for players to potentially play in all three games, or potential for certain players to play on the Thursday and the Sunday. Um, we probably need to rest Aubameyang. I'd probably let Lacazette start against Victoria because he's coming back from fitness. Can give him a 60 to a 90 minutes, rest Aubameyang's legs 
and have some fun with it really and truly people i'm scared of the unknown because i don't know too much about them as a football club um i just know they've got zero points right now they fear of the unknown for a lot of them playing at the emirates could be a highlight in their careers potentially um again they can get moves if they play well giant killings nobody giving you a chance you're professional and prideful athletes you need to be careful of several of these things people um they lost their last europa league clash of course they also lost at the weekend in the cup based on what i saw in their former outing in the in this competition they played a 4-3-3 and they feature former Ars- former spurs player sorry wish it was arsenal at the time marcus edwards who's gone out there and is trying to get his career started obviously for some irrelevant stats, Arsenal are unbeaten in their last five against Portuguese opponents, drawing one and winning f- and winning four. We've scored 17 goals and are yet to concede. You know that's probably going to get, in terms of conceding, we're probably going to concede on Thursday now. Hopefully I'm not the one to jinx it. Um, it's the first time that our opponents are meeting an English side since the 08-09 UEFA Cup campaign where they lost to um, Portsmouth people. In regards to the lineups, it's a tough one because I'm going to have to do this off the top of my head. I'll probably change it by the time I make my review, but I'd probably go with Martinez in goal. Um, I'd go with Martinez in goal. Martinez in goal. Maitland now, no. Martinez in goal. Hector Bellerin right back. Holding and Chambers centre-halves. Kieran Tierney at, at left back. In midfield, I would go with Torreira, Maitland-Niles and Mesut Ozil in the 10 position. Up front, I would go with Lacazette, Martinelli and I would actually go with Pepe, you know. But saying that, I'd probably go with Emil Smith-Rowe now and change my mind, people. But I'm going to stick with Pepe. Um, Just give him a 60-minute, hopefully he can get a goal for us or something. Um. But I think that wraps up my podcast, people. I've got nothing more to add, so I'm going to get out of here. People, it's been a pleasure. Deluded, I'm out. Thank you for watching. I'm watching. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Make sure you check out all my other content. You know I do this on this stuff on WordPress. Link will be in, in the description of this podcast. You know I'm YouTube heavy. You've got a lot of YouTube content. You know there's previous, previous other podcasts if you've just checked into this one. Make sure you do all of it up, people. But for now, it's been a great um it's been great speaking to you lot. But for now, I gotta keep it moving. Deluded. I'm out. God bless you lot. Thank you for listening. I'm out. And now it's getting a bit awkward, people, so I'm just gonna get out of here. Man, this was a mess, but I had a lot of fun. Deluded.